0: Thank you for listening to this St. Louis on the Air podcast brought to you by Lindenwood University's Hammond Institute for Free Enterprise. Examining market approaches to help solve economic and social issues, institute
1: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, so what better time to discuss angry love and ruthless compassion? Actually, that's the title of an interactive Prezi seminar taking place tomorrow designed to help kids with challenging behavior and traumatic upbringing. It's organized by Care and Counseling, which provides mental health counseling for children and adults. Stephen Zwolak, and CEO of Loom Institute and Executive Director of the University City Children's Center, will lead the presentation and group discussion. Stephen Zwolak joins me in studio along with, by phone, Joshua Carlson, Associate Director of the Knowledge Center at Chadwick in in Quincy, Illinois. It provides preventive educational and treatment services for young people. Gentlemen, thanks so much for being with us. Well, thank you.
0: It's great to be here. Yeah, Thanks.
1: Thank yeah, uh, Stephen. Let me begin with you. Uh, angry love and uh, ruthless compassion does not exactly sound like a Valentine's Day program.
0: No, it, it's and it's really a, a challenge that we're seeing on children every day today. Um, we are we have so many of our children coming to school and how they well, how they d- understand relationships uh, is differently. It is different than what we've experienced before. And it comes through a lot of aggression, whether it's hitting and spitting and kicking and hurting teachers, particularly in the early childhood space. And, and teachers will have a tendency to react to it as, as a, an adult would. And what we're helping teachers begin to understand is that that is that child's only way that they know how to express an emotion that resembles love. And so, as we help teachers begun, begin to be ruthlessly compassionate, and there's some real systems to that, so we can change the paradigm on what that child perceives love as, and we're seeing it—it's becoming really pervasive in all cultures and um, and economic uh, levels. Joshua, what are you seeing?
2: Well, I think the the thing to uh, for anybody who is working with a child that they care about who is demonstrating those behaviors is remembering that they don't have the capacity to, to say, you know, Mr. Steve, I feel sad today because my dad was taken off to jail last night. It's really about the, it's their way of communicating with us with the thoughts and feelings, these huge strong thoughts and feelings that we as adults would struggle with and being able to communicate to each other that a child at the age of three or four just can't verbalize they can't vocalize and so they're just doing what they can to cope with and communicate I'm I'm not okay right now and so it's helping the those individuals whether it be early childhood teachers or teachers or foster care um foster parents that it's not it's not personal it's not that they're lashing out against you it's their way of communicating what's going on in their internal world
0: you know as children develop they need containers Mm. and when you see a preschooler or a early elementary person with these big emotions that have never had a container Mm -hmm. um, they get really scary and 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 they're too big for a child to handle
1: How, how much of this are you seeing
0: uh, we, see, we're seeing more and more. Uh, we're seeing um, the, re- the research on uh, children uh, with uh, early trauma. It continues to grow. In the state of Missouri, it is uh, two percentage points higher than any other uh, uh, state in our country. So we're seeing more and more children in our schools uh, coming with early trauma. And the interesting thing about this is, We're doing some research, and we're seeing 50% of the teachers that are in a pool of data also have early trauma. So how do we have teachers who have been traumatized in their own world support the world of a child who's coming to them with actually some mirroring behaviors? Uh, Teachers who have been traumatized in their own world? In their own world. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's there's research out there that talks about um, teachers teach who they are.
2: Mm
0: And they teach to heal themselves. We, we understand that in the world of social work and clinical work. But teachers have to are being faced with such pathologies today that we, we have to tool them up to begin understanding how to do the therapeutic triage. They're more than just teachers. Joshua, how, how are you dealing with that? You're not dealing with a,
1: a school teacher educational environment, are you?
2: Uh, no, so uh, here at Chattuck, we're a social service agency that uh, has a res- residential program as well as a, a special education school that serves K through 12 and then a foster adoption program. So we, you know, we work with a very similar uh, population, just in a, a little different way. And um, yeah, again, you know, I think Steve's right on the money with that, you know, the the kids that we work with Um, find ways to push our own buttons. And it's often the stuff that we've been through, that we've, our own adverse childhood experiences, our own trauma history um, that brings out the greatest reaction. And we always talk about with our staff that if you don't figure out your buttons and work them out, that the kids will work them out for you. And, um, you know, and often it's when we're having those buttons pushed that we don't respond in a way that's helpful for the child. And so as the adults in this child life, it's really important and, and our duty to step back and figure out what those buttons are and how we're being triggered so that we can create a different dance, a different interaction with this particular child.
1: Are we only talking about extremes? I mean, one example was mentioned a moment ago. A kid comes into school and says, uh, my father was arrested last night. And um, certainly there are cases of of abuse. Um, I I get the impression from what you just said, Joshua, that it may not only involve extreme cases like this.
2: Absolutely. I think the when we talk about the concept of attachment, it's, it's kind of on a spectrum. It's not either you're attached to somebody or you're not. It's, there's very, it's a, there's a lot of gray. And um, those early experiences that we can have, even though if they weren't necessarily uh, abuse or neglect that warranted maybe removal from your parents' home, it, it could have been an environment that wasn't very emotionally healthy for you. And so now a piece of that is coming out in your present experience as a teacher in your classroom. And so maybe it was the way your mom talked to you or scolded you or disciplined you that now is coming out uh, in, a, uh, in a way that just isn't supportive for the children or the, you know, the children that you're working with and trying to support.
1: Steve, what is the range? i'm sorry steve what is the range of of these adverse uh, childhood experiences that that you deal with
0: well it's that's really an interesting question because we have children who are absolutely projecting themselves as good quiet dutiful Mm -hmm. that has as many implications as the child who is throwing a chair across the room Mm -hmm. the child who's throwing a chair across the room is saying help me Hold my soul differently, and the child who is uh, invisible is skating through life, not creating muck. But when it comes to relationships, has does not have the capacity to do it. So you have the range in here. We have children who bite, hit, and kick teachers. We and whenever I do presentations, when I bring, when I say, "Have you ever been hit, kicked?" Mm-hmm. The, the the hands are all going up, and the ones that are really scary for me, are the ones who are invisible under the radar. Yeah, it would seem to me that that would be the real, real challenge. You you don't even know
1: that they're going through this turmoil.
0: They have learned that they don't Mm -hmm. need anybody, and they can get through life without any support. And that's just not true. What what follows? I mean, as they grow older, they
1: can go through life without any support, but what is their life like as they get older?
0: So we, you look at the relationships, and, and so I, I, my, my area of, of expertise really is in early childhood, and, but we're seeing the dance up. You, you just go into the office place, and you can see people who don't have relationships, who uh, people don't want to sit in the, into, in the uh, staff room with them. I mean, you see these, these permutations throughout life in lots of different ways. Just read the front page of the paper. Uh, Josh's space, he works with a lot of uh, adolescents. And he's seeing it so clearly. And if we want to mitigate these early traumas, the best time to do it is the earlier the better. Mm. And it's about teaching relationships.
1: Josh, how do these problems uh, present differently between uh, you know, preschool or very, very young and the adolescents that, uh, that Steve just mentioned?
2: Yeah, sure. I think the, the interesting thing is, is that they actually mirror each other in very similar ways. They just look older. Uh, and you know, and so we often say that um, kids get stuck developmentally at the time that they experience their their adverse adverse childhood experience, their trauma. And so, you know, we might be working. I might be working with a 16 year old, and on a good day, emotionally, they're nine or ten, and on a bad day, they're 18 months. You know, or in a bad moment, they're acting like an 18 month older. And that's what Steve is talking about, kind of going up in that developmental ladder, is that. They might be triggered. They, something might be going on externally or internally in their world that leads them to respond in a way that an 18-month-old would rather than what we would expect from a 16. Mm-hmm.
1: I think spotting these youngsters, except for the invisible ones that, Steve, you were talking about, spotting them is probably fairly easy.
0: I I believe it is easy, but it's what's really challenging. Teachers don't know what to do with it. And we bring our own, each teacher brings their own normal into the classroom. And it's the way they were raised, the way they were taught. And that becomes another challenge because we're listening to a child's normal. And we often find incongruency. And we know that preschool-aged children are expelled from school three times, at least three times Mm -hmm. higher than any other grade level. So what's the challenge here? Well,
1: how do you deal with it?
0: Well, this is, you know, and I would say uh, optimistically, um, you know, Loom Institute and University City Children's Center uh, have created a system of teaching teachers how to understand themselves. So we have five essentials we want teachers to understand. We want them to understand their own emotional self, the emotional development of a child, the temperaments of self and child, family environments, as well as family history. So helping teachers begin to understand that and the research that we have on it um, is that we can start matching successful teacher growth and development with a child in the classroom's uh, abilities. And we recently uh, were uh, accepted into Harvard's Child Center for the Developing uh, Harvard Center for the Developing Child's portfolio, and they are going to be watching our research because they believe that we have somewhat of an answer to helping teachers mm-hmm. mitigate this problem. Well, I understand what you're saying about helping the teachers. You start with the teachers then rather than the child. And the, the, these, these poor little babies, Don, are walking into our classrooms saying, hold my soul. Hmm. And so we have to have the teachers and every teacher that we can grow uh, with a deeper understanding of themselves and the child. That's 15 to 20 children that they're impacting. What's the key then to dealing with the child? Once the teacher has been you know, brought aboard, as it were— How do you deal with a child then? Um, Depending on on experience, it is, and I'm going to say this sounds very simple, um, but being with a child or developing a relationship with a child, children need emotional partners. They need an emotional partner. They don't need a laptop, and a laptop is not an emotional partner. They need somebody who can sidle with them and who they feel safe to express their emotions, to be there and we know at University City Children's Center, our data says children with a strong attachment are in the 90th percentile mm-hmm. of children academically. So we have measurements that really talk about this. So it's not a it's not always a linear perspective. And Josh said it's there's a lot of gray and every child every child has a different has a different face to them. Mm-hmm. And we need to look at that. Sure. Uh, Josh, how do you handle it? How do you handle these kids?
1: I mean, obviously, they have to be changed somehow. How do you do it?
2: Well, I think, you know, kind of going back to what Steve was saying, it, it goes it, first, it's the relationship. And you know, and I referenced uh, changing the dance. So, with those child's behaviors, they pull us into their tango. But as the adults, we, if we don't engage in their tango and begin to teach them a waltz, then we can engage the child through this loving, nurturing relationship into a different way of being. You know, systems theory talks. You know, helps us to understand that when one part of the system, you know, it's kind of like a, a child's mobile. You touch one part of the mobile, the whole mobile shakes. Same thing happens within a system or a group of people. One person makes a change, and the whole system has to begin to change because the, what's going on is different. And so if we're working with a teacher and help the teacher to look at how they're engaging with their students differently, their students will change. Their students will engage with them in a different way.
1: Years ago, I did a story on crack babies and how to deal with them. And there were obvious problems, Steve. I'm sure you're well aware of that issue going back a few years. And they felt the, the simplest method, the most effective method of dealing with these infants was just to hug them. That was all it took. It sounds like, in essence, that's what you're saying.
0: Yeah, Don, you're, you're right, you're a great learner, yeah, yeah. but it is. We, we need to put the concept of love back into the mm-hmm. actions of school. Children are born for love. Mm-hmm. There was a, an op-ed uh, recently where they said, children learn better when they know they are loved. This was uh, uh, adolescent, uh, middle school kids. They learn better when they are loved. And um, sometimes we're afraid to use that word. Mm-hmm. Except for Valentine's, uh-huh.
1: any thoughts on that, uh, Josh?
2: No, I think I think as a culture we have um, we we worry about caring about one another. I mean, that's that you see that on Facebook all over. Just people, why do we have to encourage each other to love each other? It's we've we've uh, we've grown distance between one another. And I think one of the great things about what Loom talks about and what Chaddock talks about is how do we come? I mean, you know, the relationships are primary before anything else. It's not about curriculum. It's not about um, processes in the classroom. It's about this relationship between an adult and a child, and how do you develop that, and how do you nurture it.
1: I'm going to try to get a quick call in here from Tina in Maplewood. It'll have to be quick, Tina, but uh, go ahead, please.
2: Oh, (laughs) I don't know how quick this is going to be. I'll try. But yeah, I taught in the St. Louis public schools, and I had everything from being cussed at for asking a student to turn around, to being vandalized, threatened, you know, you
0: name it, and I had no training with this sort of thing at all,
2: and that, that was 2005, and I'm just wondering if, um, you know, there's anything the public schools are offering for teachers, because I felt like at the time that it, the teachers needed a support group. Okay, Gina, you know? I'm, I'm
1: going to have to stop you there, because we do have a time constraint. Steve, let me get a quick response to you yeah. from... Through that
0: I, I think there are more efforts uh to help teachers understand mm-hmm. trauma um so they have to understand trauma but then they need to know how do we operationalize these things how do we go into the classroom and really uh do something which means how do we help teachers have enough inner strength to be with children and even when they are being cussed at
1: yeah. josh in 30 seconds could you give the lady a response
2: um, I, 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 Along with Steve, you know, I think that you know the the term trauma informed schools has become more and more prominent. It's it's definitely a buzzword. Um, I think the challenge is is how do you infuse that into uh, all these public schools throughout the country? And you know, it takes a, a superintendent, um, principals, uh, the administrators, the the desire to um, bring those kind kind of trainings into their environment, into their space, and and apply them, yeah. uh,
1: Steve. Uh, Thirty seconds left. Uh, tell us about the event tomorrow. Is anybody welcome to? Uh, um,
0: I it's. I think it is open. Um, I'm just the guest, so I don't know all the details. <laughs> I'm showing up and talking about uh, angry love and ruthless compassion to a therapeutic community, and we are really hoping that the therapeutic folks that are involved in that are really leave with understanding. the the challenges that early childhood is going through right now, and what, and I'm gonna say, it has a silver bullet opportunity for us to change the trajectory of hundreds of thousands of children uh, folks, if they're interested, can contact Karen Counseling. I'm sure
1: right. we'll put contact information on our website. That is tomorrow at 10:30, by the way, at Karen Counseling on Ladue Road. Thanks to Stephen Zolak of the Room Institute and University City Children's Center for being with us, and Joshua Carlson of uh, Craddock in Quincy, Illinois. Thank you both so much for being with us. Thank you. Great to talk Thank to you. you. This is St. Louis on the air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.